0: This episode of the Rad Podcast is brought to you by Tech2U. Tech2U strives to deliver superior technical services from professional and friendly staff while maintaining their principles of credibility, accountability, and customer service as they grow. With locations all over Northern California, Southern California, and Las Vegas, Tech2U provides in-shop repair, mobile services for residential and business, and remote service provided online. Tech2U repairs everything ranging from printers, scanners, screen repair, motherboards, keyboards, touchpads. They'll even recycle electronics. Visit www. Tech2u.com. That's tech, the number 2u.com. Or call 888 340 8324. That's 888 340 8324 for Tech2U. The Rad. Podcast. The, the Rad. The The Rad. The And we're back at it was another episode of the Rad Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm producer Brandon from the Rob Anybody and Don show and my very special guest this week is former producer Nick.
1: God help us all.
0: Welcome back Mr. Nick. Thank you very much. And uh, I, I really appreciate you coming out because I know you're a very busy guy.
1: Very busy guy yeah. doing important things saving the world. Are you still serving tables? I'm still serving tables. Are you really? Yeah. You know,
0: I thought I thought that was just kind of a running joke but no, it's actually it's,
1: something you're still doing. It is. I mean like once upon a time it was uh, it was out of necessity. I that was for financial reasons, yeah. and, and now it just sort of keeps me alert. It keeps me uh, up and moving. Uh, oddly enough, most of the duties I do now for the show are duties, duties um, are video and audio oh. editing type things. Yeah. And they're things that required me to, to sit down at a, at a desk for hours at, at a time and focus on on things, and I, and that's what I'm semi good at. But it's not good for me to sit for a long time. Like I need to run. And so I usually work between twelve and four during the afternoon. Oh, that's and cool. It's it's cool because it's like it's to me it's four hours of fury. Like I get there and I'm running my ass off because people who are on their lunch break are in a big fucking hurry. Mm-hmm. So it's so as so a four hours I'm like just running around a thousand miles an hour and it like it's like taking your dog out for a walk. Oh yeah, it just, it's like releases all the all the the stuff that's in me. So
0: if we haven't seen an episode of Hell's Kitchen, then you absolutely know. Yeah. that Yeah, be pretty crazy back. Then. It is. But you're I, not a chef, right? No,
1: I, I'm not a chef. I do. I'm a, I'm an amateur chef. I love to cook, but. Yeah. One of the things I love about uh, the food service industry is I always joke about uh, uh, food when it comes off the grill uh, being like a little financial grenade. <laughs> it is. It's, it's yeah. a little financial because for about three or four minutes, that dish is worth $25. Mm-hmm. And in four minutes, it's worth nothing. Wow. So getting the timing right of when things come off the grill, when things at the table, taking care of people and having that mentality of uh, people come to relax and be taken care of. and And, you know, people like – have a little respite from the world and you can sort of be the conductor of that respite for the world for a little bit of time so
0: it's a very honorable position very noble well still. i get paid yeah that's always a plus i thought you know if there were ever any job that i were to do other than radio it would probably be something in the service industry yeah. for that very reason and also because i think there's there's some sort of, sort of if you're i would be a bartender
1: yeah, oh, Honestly. Yeah, yeah,
0: I think that would be a great job, not necessarily for the booze, but because of the camaraderie that you get with the people sitting at the bar. And obviously there's the riffraff that you deal with, but yeah. that's in any restaurant business. But I just think that it would be have re- really exciting, fun, always moving, always on the go uh, type of job.
1: It is fun. I, I bartended for a long time. And I, the thing about bartending, though, is it's exciting. It's fun. But getting back to me in that motion thing, you're kind of nailed to one spot. You're oh, nailed to one little yeah. bar of things, right? Uh, so if you have talkative regulars, like most bars do, you have to sit there and you're nailed to one spot talking to people that you don't always want to be talking to. That's a good point. Whereas you're serving, you're flying in and out, you know, tables come, tables go, like you're doing that. Um, and it's interesting to me, I always, when I'm when I'm training new people, I talk about the psychology of serving versus the psychology of the bartender. If you're a guest in a restaurant, you typically don't see your server Uh, Or you only see them intermittently. Mm -hmm. So it's like, where's the fucking waiter? And like the waiter is bringing you something essential, food, to keep you alive. And you don't know where the fucking waiter is. They could be smoking or playing grab ass or whatever. Mm -hmm. If you're at a bar, bartender's your buddy. He's bringing you a drink, a nice little drug that makes you feel tingly, and you can see them working their way towards you. Oh. And so, it's, so it's 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 people are more patient at a bar, or they should be, than they tend to be with food.
0: Oh, I, I never thought about that. If with that perspective, I might shift my my perception and my future goals as yeah. <laughs> post shift. radio to be in the the service
1: industry. Split shift. Split there you shift. go.
0: Um, so you're still working for the show, though. Yes, yeah, we do. For the show. We do get some uh, some quality time in every once in a while, but I don't know much about you and what you're doing these days but also there's a whole lot of new listeners that don't know who the fuck you are. That's right. So maybe you could start by uh, just telling us and refreshing my memory of how you came to be a part of the Rad Show and and what you did and 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 we'll go from there.
1: Sure so I was the in-house producer from 2002 to 2007 and I get by in-house meaning like I was pretty much the only guy. Nowadays we have it we've had Two or three people, a staff of two or three, sometimes it's you and somebody else. But back then, it was, it was just little old me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was occasionally on the air, but most likely people have not heard me on the air in, in probably 10 years. Uh, so from 2002 to 2007, I handled all the website stuff, listener mail stuff. Um, at that time, the show didn't have a website. So I got a book on how to make websites and made a really <laughs> shitty website. And, but it was there and it, it, it was up and I uh, got listener mail back running and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, I actually uh, worked um, – uh, before that, I worked as an actor in Virginia. Oh, uh, really? The, yeah, this little theater called the Barter Theater. It's actually a pretty famous theater. Uh, humans actually paid me to act. <laughs> which I, I can't believe that. Anyway, I was a very – I was only – I was only but so good as an actor, I was kind of mediocre, and I thought, well, the world has enough mediocre actors. Mm -hmm. I should probably maybe look into broadcasting (laughs) and go be a mediocre broadcaster. Uh, So we relocated to Northern California just because I always wanted to live here. And I thought, well, if I'm going to try to get into broadcasting, I should probably get some skills. So I found this little community college in Fremont, California called Ohlone College that had a great radio program. And so I enrolled in the radio program and I met my mentor, uh, this guy named Bob Docterman. Oh, who the, oh it, God yes, damn it. The, uh, listeners probably know him as Engineer Bob. right?
0: Or uh, the voice of the show. Or, yeah, the voice yeah. of
1: the show. You'll hear him on the liners, you know, Rob, Anybody, and Don yeah. show. That's him. That was my mentor. Um, and so from there, uh, I, I got a gig doing traffic reports for KCBS. Ooh. Yeah, which is great. I, like. I have got minimal to no experience. And I get this gig doing traffic updates for KCBS. Ah, but here's the kick. It's midnight to 6 a.m. on Saturdays.
0: What traffic is happening at that time? Nothing, other than exactly. You know, the bar times.
1: None. So, re- so literally the entire skill of the job is filling 30 seconds with saying nothing is happening. So you have to get creative with it? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, oh, all, all clear on 101. <laughs> uh, no backup at the Bay Bridge Toll Plaza, blah, blah, blah. But there, there, like, there is some utility, though, to having somebody there. What they want is if the big one hits, if an earthquake hits, oh. they need to have some live body. Uh, giving updates on what's going on while a real professional is woken from bed and, you know, made to come to the studio. <laughs> well,
0: what if the real big one happens and it takes the radio station with
1: it? Well, I mean, we're all fucked, you know, right? What, mm-hmm. right. But, you know, hey, 25 bucks an hour. Like, yeah, dude, I'll take that. <laughs> Good insurance. Yeah. So from there, like, you know, I, I I did not think I wanted to end my career as a traffic reporter type person. So I started yeah. to look into... Uh, DJing or, you know, morning shows, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bob, engineer Bob is like, hey, one of my students is really, really successful, has this really successful show. Yeah, I, I should play you some, some clips. I'm like, all right, great. Um, and he played some clips of the show and it was it was amazing. It was all the things that the listeners now know of the show and of Rob and of you guys, all the – it was intelligent. It was funny. It was, it was real. It wasn't like honk, honk, like wacky zoo morning radio. Um, cause that was my first impression when, when Bob was like, Hey, I want to play you these clips from one of my students who so has a morning radio show. I'm like, fucking great. You know, yeah. prank calls. I'm like, great. That's going to be fantastic. But he played it and it was amazing. And I, and the first thing I, I didn't even think about joining the show then my first thing to Bob was, uh, that I said to Bob was, this is really amazing. I would love to just sit in the room and like, watch this, how it happens. Could you pull some strings and get me in the room? He's like, maybe so pulled some strings and the show, let me just sit in, in the producer studio, you know, with the, with the idea that, you know, shut the fuck up, don't get anybody's way, just sit and, and watch. And I right. did, and it was really informative and I learned a lot. I just, and I was just really blown away by Rob's professionalism and everyone's just like, uh, what's the word? Like that grit that this, that, that attacking the job, right. Mm-hmm. They were all just on it. It's six o'clock in the morning, just on it. You know, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> Um, anyway, so I didn't think much about it. And a couple months later, I heard there was maybe an opening for a gig, so I made a, a demo tape of me DJing and and sent it my, my resume. And the rest is history. Do you still have that demo tape? Oh, it's somewhere. I think I stumbled across it in one of my moves a couple of years ago. I, it's somewhere. I'll try to find it. If you could dig it up,
0: maybe I'll edit it into this episode. Okay, it's
1: actually, it's actually not dreadfully horrible. Like okay, it, it, well, it's, good. It's passable. It's okay. not it's not good, but it's it's passable.
0: It's always fun to go back and listen to that stuff. I, I have some demo tapes, but. I, I can't remember if I've if I've lost them on a CD or something because you keep things on CDs for so long and yeah. over the years they just deteriorate. So. I know
1: I know I was at least topical because you know oh, uh, engineer look engineer Bob we have a lot of fun at his expense but he isn't was an excellent teacher and he teaches like the basics of the basics of the basics and he really leans on um, like being informative but being topical and like not just throwing your wacky humor out there mixing in some actual information so that you're informing the audience and you know all that kind of stuff so we we have we have a lot of fun at bob's expense but he's yeah. a really good teacher I,
0: I was curious about that because i don't i never had him as a teacher but i he kind of took me under his wing as like the engineer of this building that we have now that we've been in for almost eight years um can you believe that eight wow. years eight years yeah. that's crazy and uh he built this entire studio and I was all I was all a part of the process to make sure technically we could still do what we need to do. But he mm-hmm. was the pro. He knew he knew yeah. what he was doing. Um, but so just to be able to work side by side with him was one of the best experiences of this job because yeah. just him as a person, he gets it. Mm-hmm. He not only does he get it, he's super smart, super witty for the age that he's at. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's not. That old, but you would never tell right. that he was probably in his, what, 60s? Probably. Yeah, he's just retired and he's doing voice work now. Dude's super awesome. I, I I absolutely love him. So to be under his tutelage, it would have been
1: really cool. And, and the thing about Bob was he ran that college. Like most college radio stations are you know a bunch of like like stoned out hippies who are just playing uh, old records and weird folk music and shit. <laughs> and Bob ran that station like a top forty commercial radio station, like commercial stop sets and and liners and and things you'd have to read and spots and music rotation. And there was an emphasis on the same kinds of things that would make you successful at a radio station, that mm-hmm. you, you have to know those to succeed yeah. and he was just really good at that so there's See, he gets it there you go
0: yeah uh so then you you submitted your demo tape yeah and then you got the gig got the like gig. So, do you know how many people you went up against to get it or i
1: don't i i think it was at least three or four because i did have multiple rounds of interviews mm-hmm. one was like a, a phone interview with uh uh the per, um, promote not promotions program, the program director? director yeah of mm-hmm. uh of krxq uh in 98 rock uh the flagship station in Sacramento. Um, had a phone interview, and then I had a in-person interview uh, simultaneous with with Rob and with the program uh, director, uh, and then I had a one just with Rob and the crew. Cool. Yeah,
0: and then eventually, so at that time, the the Rad Show was still just kind of. Floating is just the morning show on 98 Rock. Correct. It wasn't its own entity under Williams Broadcasting at that time, you know, right?
1: At, at that time, it had just become the Williams Broadcasting entity. Wow. Because okay. uh, they they had, a, 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 if I understand the history correctly, when they made the jump from Reno to Sacramento, that's when Rob said, I'm going to make this our own thing. We're going to have these two cities and we're going to basically sell, or basically the fu- the company functions like a fruit stand. Mm-hmm. We sell the fruit, you can buy the fruit or not buy the fruit, but you can't tell us what to put in the basket. So this is, this is the business model and you can pay for it or not, but this is what it is, which is really ballsy for a young guy, you know, starting a show with, with a couple of people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and then they had gone to, there was a, um uh, they had so much quick success in Sacramento that the show, I don't know whose decision it was, but they, they, they sent the show to Seattle, larger market, West coast. And the entire thing was a debacle from how it was pulled off, from what I understand, just in terms of.
0: Did you go with them to no, Seattle? I, is this that, before you?
1: This is right before me. Oh, so okay. they had just come back from Seattle when I jumped on board and was like the new producer guy.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's awesome.
1: That's our, that's our Williams Broadcasting timeline.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it worked. We were here, what, more than 10 years later? That yeah. That, what year was that that you joined? I joined in show?
1: June of 2002. Oh, yeah.
0: So that's, what is it, 2018? do the math real quick. 16 years? Yeah.
1: And, and for people who don't know, like if you can have any kind of show together for three, even longer than three or four years, that is, that is an anomaly in the business. I mean, th- think of your favorite TV shows that last forever, eight or nine years. That's mm-hmm. incredible before the audience gets sick of it or there's nowhere to go, there's no new material to cover. The fact that Rob and most of the people in this building have worked together for 16, 20, 25 years. That's incredible.
0: I remember growing, I grew up with the show, and what you said, you joined the show in 2002. Mm. I was a sophomore in high school. Uh-huh. And so I was in the midst of, you know, commuting to to, to and from school, but going to school, I would listen to the show every single morning with my parents. That uh-huh. was just kind of the way we bonded, but it's also how I was introduced to the show. And um, did you do the DUI shows, the DUI yes, awareness shows? I did. We,
1: they were still doing the DUI awareness shows when I, was, when I was on board.
0: That was my first live event. My mom took me out of school to go watch that live event um, early on in the morning because they, they did the entire live show in front of an audience and they'd get drunk in front yep. of everybody and they'd demonstrate with a DUI checkpoint tests and everything in front of the audience to show how alcohol affected DUI awareness, get it. Um, and, and that was, so that was my first exposure. And I was like, I love this uh, just to be able to see that thing happen. And I imagine it was something similar to what you experienced when you first sat in on the show. It's just not only the professionalism, but how much fun it looked like they were having mm-hmm. while doing such an amazing job. And it, it just, it was stars in my eyes at that point. Um, and so I was exposed to you earlier on. And I I remember calling um, before I got hired as even an intern, I graduated high school in t- t- 2004 and immediately that summer applied for uh, community college for communication so I can get into radio. And uh, when I did that, I, I found myself trying to um, communicate with the show. So I was at that time, I was calling all the time in the morning and really, I, I, yeah, like and to so, get on the show. Yeah. So I would, I would change my name uh, occasionally just Great. to, you know, but I never got on the air because I think I was just a young, stupid kid who was just trying too hard. And it just, and uh, you know how the, the phones go, you answer them for years. Um, there's a lot of really bad calls. And I think I just kind of fell into that, but I never really, I, I, it took me a while to find my voice is but, what I'm getting
1: but at. But you know how Rob is it, like people, when pe- callers would call in and get upset that I, that I, that I wouldn't put them on the air like I'm in charge of that right for people who don't know people you call into the show you give us your name and say basically what you want to say and we put you in a queue and Rob can see in in his in his production area on the window your name, and what you want to say. And he chooses based on the flow of the conversation, who gets on the air and who doesn't. I have no say over that. And for you, it might have just been something as simple as many, many times what you wanted to comment on, just either somebody covered that ground or... Or or
0: somebody was already on hold with the same comment, uh, all those things. But that was kind of like my way of getting my shoe in. And then I eventually got the internship at uh, the flagship station, 98 Rock, as a promotions bitch. And I was slinging uh, stickers everywhere. And I was kind of... Of the opposite schedule of the the morning show, I'd show up around ten ten thirty, and obviously the show is already done and getting out of there. But I would always get the tail end, and then I I'd, I'd go into the studio and I'd kind of just see glimpses of you guys just running back and forth and always busy, always something really important yep. going on. But that's just the way that this show functions. It's just constantly there's always something biz- that's keeping us busy or something that needs to be tended to and it's just how serious we take the job yep. um so to to watch you guys kind of working behind the scenes like i i can't get in that club but it's so close it's so there it's so attainable um but i never thought i never dreamt that i would even work for the show so i just kept plugging along being a promotions bitch schlepping stickers at concerts and uh <laughs> this reminds me of a promotion that we were doing um really early on at 98 rock I don't know if I could say this. Yeah, I'll say it.
1: Um, you can always cut it out if you don't like it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, they wanted to do this thing called drive-by shirting. And so we do, would.
1: Do you, do you get it?
0: Yeah. Do you get it? The, the, and it was just bad taste, too, because the shirts, they had like the logo and stuff on, and they had bullet holes with like red blood going down out of the bullet holes. So port could never get away with that in this day and age. Right. Absolutely not. But at the time, it was hilarious quote-unquote and so we would actually go take these vans uh the, the station van to like country events or rap events competing uh radio station events and we okay. just throw t-shirts <laughs> out at everybody say it's been a drive-by shirting and they'd want us to get audio of it and it it, it completely fell flat as you would imagine Can't imagine but, why yeah but it was just oh, it was such a terrible promotion um i don't know what got me off on that tangent but um, I, I started working with the night guy. And so I, uh, at the, at the radio station at that time, just, he kind of took me under his wing to show me the ropes basically, because I wanted to know how things worked behind the scenes in the studio as far as the production went. Um, and right then I was hooked and I was there almost every single night and I helped him with this show. I was basically his partner, but I was not getting paid to do it. So I'd spend probably 16 to 18 hours in that radio station. God save me. I don't have to go there anymore. But that was just those those were the days that I think really defined me and, and per, put me in the direction that I was going into, because eventually you you left the show. Mm-hmm. And what led to that decision?
1: Well, you know, it's funny at, at the time, uh, my then girlfriend, now wife, got a fantastic opportunity in Los Angeles with a with a company and an amazing promotion, amazing position. And i had had a Five year run with the show, and I was ready for a change too. So Mm -hmm. We both decided, "Hey, let's let's make this big jump. Let's go to Los Angeles. You know, let's let's do it." And uh, I I thought that was going to be the end of my run with the show. And when when I came to Rob, you you know, he was like, "Well, you know, can you maybe you can do some things remotely, or maybe you know, editing or some video stuff? Why don't we Why don't we keep you on the payroll?" I'm like, "Sure, why not?" And so it's it. And I didn't think that situation would last very long either. I thought, okay, maybe a couple of years, I'll make a few extra bucks. Mm -hmm. And here we are. 10 years later.
0: Yeah, that was that was 2008, right? That
1: 2007. 2007?
0: Yeah. Okay, so it's been 11 years since since you've left. Yeah. Um and so how did you how did you even find me? Cuz I think you were the one that like had to find the replacement for the for the production role, right? Yes.
1: So I think how 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 you came into the fray in terms of, of my relationship with you is I'm not a very artistic person. I can do some things creatively, but not very many. So I think I think it was something like if we're doing a best of uh, CD, CD for the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm not very good at artistically uh, p- m- doing like uh, CD covers and things like that. So I think I tracked you down because you knew how to use Photoshop. Oh. I, th- I think you might have mocked up something for us. Or I think there was like a website issue that I was struggling with. I knew you had some competency in that. So I pulled you in and, and said, hey, hey, can you help me out with that? And that went from being like once every, you know, once in a blue moon to constantly Brandon's in here helping me, you know, do do stuff. And so That's that, right. Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then there was another – it's all coming back to me now because these things just have escaped my memory right. completely. Um, but uh, there, there, was also a uh, producer, hot pants, sweet yes. pants, hot pants, pants, sweet pants. I think her name was Megan. Yeah. Um, and she was actually my boss as the promotion. She was the promotions manager at the time of 98 rock. And I was the promotions assistant. Um, and I think, she, I don't know. She was a phone screener there for a little bit
1: too. She wasn't was. She? She, she joined the show. I forget. As we figured out that I was going to be leaving, uh, we wanted to train somebody to take over. And I think she was the first in line to uh, be trained to take over the phones and take over uh, a lot of my duties. And we thought maybe somebody else duties. would ju- <laughs> duties. We thought uh, somebody else might join her later. We weren't sure. Uh, but I think, yeah, that was the the progression of things. Yep. So producer hot pants uh, started taking over my duties right before I left. That's right.
0: And then, uh, uh, then the rest is history basically yeah yeah man it's just been a wild wild ride since it's, it's, then
1: it's it's crazy i mean this is definitely an odd thing to do for a living i yeah. mean we get paid to do this yeah that's crazy
0: uh, a podcast i never even dreamed that we'd be doing a podcast yeah. let alone from our own building and i'm I, i'm so proud of the work that we have done as yeah. producers and that we're we're still here, and we're still doing it it's It's pretty
1: awesome. How much of the audience do you think knows exactly what you do in a day outside of the show because for pe- people who do who don't know like like Rob is in charge of all the show content, but mm-hmm. basically the show's not on the air without all the things that you do
0: yeah I don't know i i think i'm I'd have to put everything down in a handbook, which I'm actually currently in the process of doing um in order if if I were to get hit by a bus. It's the in-case Brandon gets hit by a bus, break the glass type of thing.
1: You should actually call um, it that. It should be a big binder. In the-
0: <laughs> it will be a big binder. Like as, I've, as I've gone down the list of everything that I do um, collectively, not necessarily on a day-to-day basis, because at this point, with technology, it's become so much easier to kind of do all of the jobs that I do. Um, there's not necessarily me going and connecting the wires at the last minute, like at the end of back to the future, but there's a lot of that kind of work that goes in into making sure that we are up and running. Um, so I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows what I do behind the scenes. I, I think a lot of people think it's just, you know, chopping up a, uh, music files and garage band and printing out emails as Rob says, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. I I can't even begin to start saying what I do without it. starting to sound really, really boring and uninteresting, you know?
1: I think the, the best part about your job, and this is the greatest uh, job security for anybody in the world, nobody wants your job. That's a good I, point. You, you are like the Hoover Dam, uh, keeping all of the technical, <laughs> horrible, awful problems out of Rob Williams's lap, and uh, he, he does not want to even contemplate having to lose the Hoover Dam.
0: Yeah, and whenever I expose any sort of crack in the Hoover Dam, it is like sweating bullets when I have to go to him with it, because, you know, I. it's the last thing that I want to do is bother him with anything that might possibly be wrong because I'd rather just get it get it fixed and and because the last thing I need is an angry rob (laughs) nobody likes an angry rob but at the same time I I don't know it's it's also a pride thing knowing that I'm able to do all of that stuff and nobody else wants to do it great but I think I think like you said really really early on Any trained monkey could do this.
1: Yeah, I I think uh, uh, my exact words are a a motivated third grader could do could do the job, a a really motivated third grader. But (laughs) it's it's funny that even that that being said, it's been hard over the years to find good candidates to 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 do this job. Like before me, uh, I mean, I'm glad that I got hired. But even then, like there were three or four people before me. I think one got fired for stealing CDs out of a fucking closet. (laughs) One got uh, um, uh, fired for. Having like multiple affairs with interns in in the studio, like oh uh, like during work hours, which sounds really like fun and sexy and like a fun thing to do, but it's still a place of business. Yeah. It's still a workplace, and you're paying somebody who's not doing a job. And there, and anyway, that's a long story. Huh. But the, the the fact that this is such a great gig, and that that one of the great things about working with Rob. Is you can make the job anything you want. Mm-hmm. Like, i would never in my life done any kind of video editing, any camera work, anything like that. And when I was working with the show, I just said to Rob casually one day, hey, you guys are really fun to watch because most radio people are not fun to watch. They sit there like plants. Uh, Even a guy like Howard Stern, who's a legend, he's not, he's not necessarily fun to watch, which is why his TV show surrounded him with porn stars and lights and antics and and, all the other side people, Rob and, and you guys are fun to watch. So I just came to him one day and said, Hey, I think we should put up cameras and videotape you guys. And I'll, I'll edit it and make little, little tiny movies. And he never asked like, Hey, do you have any experience in this? Do you have any, he just like, okay, and like, oh, that's great. And so he gave me a little budget. We bought some cameras and, and like, that's the beauty of, of working for a guy like Rob, is he, he, the, the, the job is basic, but you can make the job into whatever you want it to be, which has surprised me, w- w- given that, how how few super qualified candidates we've ever had send in the resume for this job. Because mm-hmm. if you know the show, you know Rob, and you know, how, you know how he is. Like, I don't understand why we're not getting 25 resumes a day.
0: Yeah. And I think we, we do get some resumes here and then, here and now, now and then, but it, a lot of it is because people are like desperate. They need a job. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't come with that. The, the type of showbiz backgrounds or anything like that. Um, but it does take a special breed. And I think that I absolutely agree with you. And whenever anybody has asked me what the best part about working for the show is, and I always say creative freedom, mm-hmm. because I have always been, had the ability. He hired me on a, like a, a pipsqueak at 19 and said, Nick made this website. Now, just do something else with it or make it better. Or if you feel like you need to make it better
1: and not, uh, not hard to make it better. (laughs) Not hard.
0: Oh, well, you know, it's kind of just plateaued since then. I I don't think it's really gotten any better, but we're working on that. Uh, But you know, we're still doing the video files today, but at the same time, like I could still, now I can make songs. I'm making ringtones. I'm making theme songs. I'm making all these, these creative things musically that i never could have before in any other fast i think about these songs that i make and i think this is one of the coolest jobs i could ever have because how often are you presented with the opportunity to compose things
1: like that you know i still say to my wife and she's in a bad mood are you thinking of a moose on skates <laughs> you can't and it gets a laugh every not time. smile you, yeah that's great um so, do you have any juicy stories that you can share uh, from your time with the show? I don't know about juicy, but it, I was thinking one of my earlier stories with the show of just getting to know everyone. I was still very new at this point, probably the first six months of the show. And so, this is early two thousand, the uh, mid two thousand and two. The show had recently come back from Seattle, and that experience left a sour taste in everyone's mouth. And I think at the same time, Dawn had just recently gotten over an engagement that didn't work out. So, I don't think she was in the best. Place. Mm. Uh, so that's, I'm, I'm setting the story up like that because I know Don's going to hear this and <laughs> just going to rip my fucking head off. Um, I was. So it was after the show. The show just ended, and I'm doing. Three or four things at once, as you know, like I'm, I'm trying to hang up on all the callers and tell them, hey, call back tomorrow as I'm editing something, as I'm fixing something on the website, as I'm trying to record an audio file that's going to post uh, later on in the day for KRXQ and 98 mm-hmm. Rock. And Dawn comes in and, and asks me to do something for her. Hey, can you can you do this? And I responded to her as I was doing all four things like, yeah, yeah, sure. Like that. I meant like, yeah, I'll do that. She heard it as, Yeah, yeah. Like I was, sh- like I was oh, shooing sh- sh- her, like I was shooing her away. Yeah, yeah. And she that. opened up a fucking can on me. Oh, I, I, I have never been as scared of a human as I was. I, and and the the gist of it was something like like she got really loud and she said something to the effect of. Oh, if fucking Rob asks you to do it, you do it. If a man asks you to do it, you do it. I mean, she she opened up a feminist rant on me, yeah. and I like, and I like, I, I'm sorry. It's not because of. It's just because I'm. You know, I'm anyway, busy. and now that of course we know and love each other, like mm. I, she knows, I wouldn't I wouldn't like disregard her for being a woman. That's the last thing that I would do. But in that moment, she went fucking pit bull on me. I'm yeah. like, oh my god, we we cleared it up. That we're fine.
0: Yeah, you absolutely don't want to be on our negative side. No, 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 no. That's that's the uh, the wrong end of the deal. Yeah, yeah, but she's she's fierce though. She fiercely loves you, and yeah, yeah th- th- I, that's what I. Another thing I love about this show, it's like a family. It's, it, it's, it really is. it's like the mob family.
1: I, and th- this is the first I, I would normally say to anybody running a business: never, never, never uh, be friends with the, the the people who are are reporting to you. It's a bad formula. I've never ever seen it work except with the show. Yeah, uh, the show is everyone on the show. It is sort of a friend family environment, and that like we're so dug in together. But there, everyone is accountable. Like in most things, the reason why that doesn't work is your friends and your family. But and and because of that, you let accountability slip. And this is the only environment I've ever seen where it's friends and it's family, but we all hold each other to account. Mm-hmm. And if you can't pull your weight, then you know you're off the ship. It just it is what it is. Yep, yeah,
0: absolutely. Any other juicy
1: stories? I think that's about it, Yeah. as far as ones I can and tell. We can share, right?
0: Yeah, I, I've got plenty, but I, I'm saving those for the blackmail yeah. list. Yeah. Oh, I, I <laughs> for got down that. the line, I, I've got
1: such a fucking blackmail list. I'm saving that as well. Do you Sue, so, Do you have a closet full of of old tapes? Too? I do. I, actually,
0: I, I have. I have all those mini DV DV tapes because uh-huh. we used to. We have all SD cameras now that have the SD cards in them, um, but back then we were still recording on the little mini cassette tapes. Yep. Do you still have any
1: of those? I, I have saved and archived every single thing I've ever done with the show. Really? Yes. All I've got boxes and boxes and hard drives and hard drives of stuff. I don't know what I'm ever going to do with it, but I just – I can't bring myself to like permanently erase it because you never know. It, it's just, it's funny to watch people over time, how they age and how – it's just funny to go back sometimes and look at yeah, it. Yeah,
0: I've gone down the YouTube hole. Have you ever done that where you, you find like old video files that have been posted onto YouTube from – from people like ripping them off our website and stuff. Really? Oh yeah. Get out of here! Yeah, like from the early, early days. Wow. like right, right when you started doing right. video files.
1: I, I, I have not gone down that rabbit hole only because like I, I remember all of them. Oh. Like so, so like <laughs> yeah. I spent hours and that, like that was back yeah. when it took me like a week to do one of those. Now you and I can fire those out in a couple hours, but I I spent so much time uh, looking at everybody's faces and editing those things that I (laughs) I don't necessarily need to go down the rabbit hole.
0: I'm with you on that. I hardly ever go back and watch or listen to any of the stuff that we've done in the last few years. Even I forget what happened today on the show right at 10 Oh one. But at the same time, I I feel like the same way I've all you have to do is start playing an audio file or a video I'll know exactly where it's gonna go, when it's gonna end. And you know, it's just reliving that moment so vividly.
1: It's so funny. Yeah. Uh, we recently had, a, Rob had a big uh, party in, uh, celebrating uh, his getting married to the lovely Christina. Oh, yeah. And a great party. Everybody from like the Rad family was there. All of our tangential relationships and all of our business partners were all there. And mm-hmm. it was super fun. Uh, and what is the name of, uh, of of the divorce attorney who does the Ask Rob's lawyer? Lana Shearer. Lana. Anyway, so it's funny. i had I'd, I'd recently spent like something like three or four days straight doing nothing but editing. The uh, ask Rob, ask Rob's lawyer uh, bits from the, for the video files, mm-hmm. and she was like, you know, I'd never met her before, but it, I spent something like hours and hours and hours just looking at her face. And so when I, when I met her at the party, I was like, oh hey, it's you! And like, she has no idea who I am. She's right. like, she thinks I'm some creep, probably. It's I like, your old friend. Yeah, I am. I, I'm like, I'm like, I've been, I've been looking at your face for three days straight. <laughs> That's not creepy. No, not at all. I'm like, oh no, I'm the editor for the show. I do video files. Like, That's oh. so funny.
0: Yeah, she loves those videos. She, everybody that sees their their face for the first time after they've yeah. done the radio show, they're like, "Oh no, I don't. I thought I look like a, there was a fish lens, and my nose is so big." But you know, probably because we were using GoPro cameras. But, it it
1: yeah. is a jarring thing if you're not used to hearing yourself or seeing yourself. Uh, it, it, it it takes a while to get over that yeah. because hum, humans are naturally self conscious, so it takes a while to to get past that. But once you do. Uh, especially hearing yourself. Oh, people yeah. people are, are strangely way more freaked out by how they sound than how they look sometimes. Mm-hmm. and I, I can't figure out the psychology behind it that. I sound
0: so nasally. Yeah. I really sound that nasally. Because
1: what's funny is you hear your voice uh, walking around the world. You hear your voice through your head and also through your ears. And when you put on headphones or you're, when you're just listening to a recording of your voice, you just hear your voice through your ear. Mm-hmm. So you sound completely different than you think you sound.
0: Do you do you hear this uh, viral thing that just when it was going viral last night, the Yanny versus Laurel thing.
1: No, what is this?
0: Okay, so some, I don't know where this originated, but it's been all over the wacky morning TV shows and obviously it was on our show um, just today when this uh, podcast was being recorded. Um, There's a soundbite of this this automated, uh, like voice to text thing saying, or text to voice thing saying Laurel, but a lot of people are hearing the word Yanny. So- those are two very different words. There are, and the the argument is, if you hear a certain frequency, like a higher oh. band of the the of the EQ frequency, you'll hear the word differently. So I'm going to play it for you real quick, just so I okay. can. So if you if you hear Laurel or Yanny, I just this is just an experiment here. Laurel, Laurel. That, that to me is so
1: clearly Laurel, right?
0: So they've made this tool on this website that if you. You you have to manipulate the audio in order for it to even sound like Yanni. But apparently, without manipulating it, ha, like the the surveys are all saying, it's split down the hat down the middle, fifty fifty. You either hear Laurel or Yanni, and a lot of people are hearing Yanni. And I can't. It's in. It's it's irrefutable that it says Laurel right. to me. So I'm
1: gonna do the little. Laurel. Yanni. Yeah. Now I, now I hear yeah. right if you if you manipulate yeah. it.
0: Yeah, and then if you if you go the other direction. Moral, it's just laurel, Laurel. but i don't i don't know i some people, the, the going to your point about what people hear in their voices, right. and I think that just there's certain frequencies that people just don't hear, and it's
1: like you know, like, you know how there's a, the the stereotype of like the old timey World War II radio announcer, like was on the march. Like there's a certain way of talking. <laughs> well, it's because uh, um, the, the the radios back then weren't designed to transmit bass very well. Mm-hmm. That they, they couldn't carry the bass, so everyone sounded high pitched and nasally. It wasn't like they were trying to sound that way. They're they're right. talking normally in a studio, well, a little bit stiff, but they were talking normally. But it came out like this.
0: <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people that are, that are saying that they heard Yanny are, are saying that they heard it from either really crappy earbuds uh, okay. or from the TV. And the TV has a different frequency in the audio. If you notice, it's always like really tinny and yeah. really high and really loud. It's to grab your attention right. to keep looking at it, especially with the commercials. They're always louder than the programming. Oh, God, so I that you, hate that. It diverts your attention to the TV. Um, so I think that that might be what's going on there.
1: I think you're right. Yeah, that's
0: crazy. Um, just nerding out. Don't worry about us. Um, I think that that's all the questions I had for you. For me, um, I did post this picture. Look at that.
1: Let me see, see that picture.
0: I posted that on the rad podcast page. I I don't know how old that was. I had hair. Yeah, this is great (laughs) I I think you're wearing the same shirt though?
1: (laughs) I've got like four versions of this shirt that I've that I've kept over the years Uh,
0: But the uh, I don't know what we're doing there. I think we're just getting ready for a video shoot
1: This is this is something uh, with video files cameras because those the uh, cameras we use to record the video files But god boy I don't know
0: if this was like you passing the baton, or if we were getting ready for some big uh, video shoot for a weekend or something. I don't but
1: know. But that's crazy.
0: I, you know, I dug that up. Is I, I don't have a lot of these archives uh, readily available. They're they're all living on hard drives, you know, in our storage units, but. I actually googled this picture. I just googled producer Nick Get Out of Here Rad Radio, and this picture came up. Like on the internet? On the internet? On the Googles? That's crazy. Yeah.
1: Anytime I try to Google myself, so my my full name is Nick Beard. My last name was like like mustache, and so every time I Google myself, nothing comes up because there is a very famous rugby player in like South Africa who's like the Michael Jordan of rugby players named Nick Beard. Hello. So there's like there's like 19 pages of stuff before it ever gets to me. So,
0: <laughs> well, apparently you're searching too too specific i guess Again, i am producer I I nick am. rad radio right i'll look up uh,
1: nick beard pervert and see what so
0: comes up i posted this picture on uh beard pervert <laughs> <laughs> i'll narrow it down i uh I, I posted this picture on our podcast group on facebook i don't know if you're familiar with it but it's basically this place for everybody kind of collectively get together and talk about all things podcast. it's more of a safe space similar to what the podcast is uh compared to the regular show which is a little bit more judgy, a little bit more opinionated. Bit. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit more open-minded and laid back on the podcast. So um, we have this group, a very cool community here. And uh, I opened up the floor for questions from uh, the Nick fans or people that are familiar with you. Okay. Um, Brad says, I miss your, uh, his on-air days when he'd wish deadly diseases upon the exceptionally bad or argumentative mouth breathers. Or I mean collars.
1: Yeah, that was kind of my thing. Uh, I I don't have a a really big repertoire of intelligent things to say, of like (laughs) clever, witty things. Like, you know, Rob's got a bunch of them. Rob can tear people to shreds Mm. in all kind of creative ways. So I just sort of went to my my go-to was I hope you get AIDS. And it's hilarious.
0: Yeah. And it worked. What 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 was your other schtick that you did uh, th- with the sound effects?
1: Oh, this was okay. This started off being really fun, and then like anything we do on the show, we just beat it to fucking death. Um, <laughs> we used to do, uh, you know, the we still do listener mail now, and it's still, yeah, it's still very similar to Crumpling to what, the paper. what it was fifteen years ago. But it was like the second or third year that I was on the show. It was when Rob started doing that. Oh. Um, this is kind of a fun tactile kind of thing, yeah. And then he 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 discovered that it really 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 irritated. We did uh, the ugly shirted station manager, so then he then he just he just ramped it up extra and we're to where, where it is now, where he does it for thirty solid seconds and then right. he, and now he almost opens every listener mail segment doing that um, so he would start the feature off um play the ding dong, play the theme song mm-hmm. uh, Listener mail this is the sound letter number one, and we thought oh it 'd be a fun shtick to add on to that to start doing. Um, Hey, Rob, it's me, producer Nick. This is the sound of whatever was kind of uh, in grabbing distance. Because in in a radio station, there's all kind of schlock around like noises and whistles to do commercials and sound effects Mm -hmm. with or – things that make flames or things that make noises, you know, or just random chairs or, or whatever, like the night guy left the coffee mug. And this is the sound of the night guy's coffee mug. And I'm going to spit a loogie in. <laughs> so that was the origin of the bit. So it's, it, it, I think it was funnier in context than it is trying to, yeah. trying to describe it But that. That's the sound effect thing.
0: I think the ha- the highlights were always the chair. Like you'd hit yourself in the head with the chair yeah. or you, what did you eat something really disgusting?
1: Yeah. At, at the time, w- I'm not disgusted by many things in life, but what really tickled me was how disgusted Dawn would get mm-hmm. when I would eat things. But and so that's why I did it. It just tickled me. It just tickled <laughs> me so much. I would eat like stale cheese, and then I would up the ante of like uh, There's <laughs> we were at a, a charity golf tournament, and this is really dangerous. You shouldn't do this. Uh, the, one of the local sandwich places was was catering it, and this sandwich had been sitting out in the 95 degree sun for. Five or six hours is the end of the day. I'm like, hey, Dawn, look at this. And I took this, I took this sandwich that had been out in the sun for all day. Like, like the, the mayonnaise had changed color, the, the, <laughs> the, the cheese was liquid. It was really disgusting. And oh. like, hey, Dawn, and I, and, I, and I actually like took a big bite, and, and luckily didn't get sick. I mean, it's a miracle I didn't get sick. And Dawn would just convulse and retch. And so it, it, it tickled me so much that I would do that almost every day to her. Like, whatever stale, gross thing I could find, I would eat in front of Dawn.
0: Which reminds me of the 98 Rock tour bus incident with the, yes. with the blinds. Uh-huh. What what happened there? Okay,
1: so I actually got paid for this. <laughs> there, there was some, you know, some cheese tray was on the—it it was a, an outing with some listeners. Like, some listeners had—I think it was for an auction. They bid a certain amount of money to go uh, to an Oakland A's game with Rob. So it was a road trip. We hop on the bus, and there's like a little— Cheese plate, little cheese tray, and so we were joking about how disgusting the bus was, and about we were wondering how many people had had sex on it. Oh, too and many, too many. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and so like, hey, Don, I, I I took a piece of cheese. And I just like raked it across the floor and scooped up as much gunk as I could fit on the cheese. Cause I had some like beer to chase it. Yeah. Anyway, it's ate it. Grosser out. Oh. Anyway, but I got paid for it, you know. Because I I I threatened to do it. And she's like, no, don't do it. And I wasn't gonna do it. And then mm-hmm. Rob gave me twenty bucks. Rob mm-hmm. held up twenty bucks. I'm like, you're goddamn right, I'm doing it for twenty bucks. And so I just Took the cheese, bottom of the bus, just raked all the gunk I could get. That's awesome. Down the hatch. Oh,
0: That reminds me of another time that you did something else disgusting. Um, We were at the Elephant Bar for another one of those live events out in front of everybody. Um, This is in Citrus Heights. And the... uh, I, I don't remember what the shtick was, but you had come out of the bathroom with a plunger full of toilet water. <laughs> oh, no, no, no! You went into the bathroom yeah. with the microphone. You didn't bring it out there because I think that would have broken some some sort of law. Right. But yeah, you went in there and you drank
1: toilet water. Right. Okay. So that that was uh, originally an offshoot of the sound effect bit. Oh, okay. Uh, the first part of that was you know Rob does the 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 sound of letter number one, and, I, and then I, here comes me. Hi, hey, Rob. It's producer Nick. This is the sound of. Uh, And one particular day, I'd gotten a plunger, uh, totally a plunger from the 98 Rock bathroom. And I'd cleaned it a bunch. Uh, and, I hope so. I mean, like a fucking lot. If I cleaned like it a lot, uh, uh, anyway. So I, I, I filled it up with water, and like this is the sound of me drinking out of the plunger. Hey Don, look, <laughs> and I'm drinking, and Don's just gagging and and and, and convulsing. Anyway, mm-hmm. so I, I decided to up the ante, and we were at the Elephant Bar doing a live DUI show, and I don't know why or how, but there was a gigantic turkey leg. Oh,
0: that's right. That
1: was that has, had been prepared. I, I, don't, I don't know if it was like on the menu or if they had done it extra, but it's a big leg of turkey, and this is when you find out how much people like you, your co-workers like you or not. Uh, always be nice to interns, <laughs> folks, because um, a couple of the interns had done a really good job of super, super sanitizing that toilet. But they, uh, went, they went to the bathroom, cleaned it super duper. Right. And so I. Just,
0: OK, yeah, so that's I, not as bad knowing that now.
1: It's not quite. But I still, you know, went to a public <laughs> restroom and s- <laughs> suck a turkey. Like, oh, by the way, my wife found out, out about that story a few years ago. And she's still she's like, you did that? I like, yeah, you know. She's like, I can't believe you did that. It's she's rock like, and roll, baby. Yeah, she's like, I don't know if I would have gone on a date with you if oh, I had no. known that. But anyway, yeah. So uh, the, apparently, I was a nice enough guy. The interns did a great job cleaning yeah. everything; it was spotless. And I you stuck.
0: survived. I survived fine. Yeah, that's so funny.
1: Ugh, but don't, but guys. don't do that if you are hearing this. Don't ever do that.
0: <laughs> All right. Let's see. Uh, <clears throat> oh, here's a here's a question from Matt. Uh, what would you be doing if your wife wasn't supporting you financially?
1: <laughs> Pretty much this. I really? Mean, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing I, I wouldn't change. Uh this is for better or for worse. Yeah. No, I mean it's it can't it doesn't get any better than this. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Feels for we're
0: fortunate that we are even able to be continue to be doing this. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, if you
1: can it is almost impossible to do any job creatively that someone will pay you for. It's a very rare thing. And it's especially rare when you are working for a job that's creative and you can make a living at it. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Alicia says, Nick, here's a question. Has your relationship with Rob and the show changed personally, emotionally, now that you only work periodically with the show? I
1: <clears throat> I, I think it's more changed over um, the fact that we've worked together for so many years. I think there's, there's a deep trust. And uh, whenever Rob trusts somebody, he's a much more calm, relaxed person. So I think the, the relationship is more just laid back. Mm-hmm. But I do think that me only popping into the building once every now and again, I think it's a very valuable and helpful thing, because sometimes when you're in a culture, you can't see how it's changing around you. Whereas when I pop in after two or three months and I can sort of like gauge everybody's mood, how is everyone doing? What's the, what's, what are the relationships like? What does the building feel like? Mm-hmm. I can kind of pop in and get little snapshots of what's going on. So I think it's a very valuable thing. And, and, and there have been times when I've, I've popped in the building after a long time and there there's a tension, there's something going on. And I'll send Rob an email. Like, hey Rob, is uh, everything okay? Just want to let you know what I what I what I felt. Yeah, what you observed. Right. Yeah.
0: Um Matt says, Does former producer Nick see any part of him giggity in producer Brandon? And maybe to Brandon, what do you learn? what did you learn from producer Nick?
1: Oh, I absolutely hmm. see parts of, of me and you. I think you and I are both very cerebral people. I think we're both very uh, open people in terms of how we see the world and, and how we, yeah, in terms of what we, not just like sexually, but just kind of how we see the world. I mm-hmm. think that you are a way more open and artistic person than I am. I, 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 that's one thing that, that I envy you of. I'm just, there's only so much artistry that's in me, a much more method and technical skill. And I think I do a, a pretty decent job of seeing the big picture of things, but I'm just not a fluidly creative person like you are.
0: And I think, um what i've learned from you is basically the roots of what got got me here today because if it weren't for your your footsteps that for me to even follow, I don't even think I would have made it this
1: far. If it weren't for me having no technical <laughs> skill with websites and no artistic skill <laughs> well, to, to d- draw album CD covers and pulling you in, yeah.
0: No, I think I think it was deeper than that. I think it was more of what's under the surface. And I think you 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 nailed it with you know how cerebral we can be, and honestly, it's what the kids are saying woke. <laughs> woke is that what it is? I, I think we're woke? I think we're a little woke, and okay. I, and I'm I'm not trying to you know be all hipster about it, but I th- also think that we, we both just kind of get it. And I feel like you either get it or you don't when you're in this type of position um, to be able to kind of roll with the punches and still get the job done and separate emotion with a lot of things. And, you know, that's why we would turn to the drink every once yeah. in a while. But, you know, I think we've all kind of overcome a lot of those obstacles. And um, what did I learn from Nick though? I, I, I just think that I've learned a lot of the foundation of what it took to do this job and if it weren't for you i wouldn't have anything i wouldn't have this and so i'm I'm eternally grateful for you even giving me the opportunity to get in the get in the building with Rob and the crews
1: well i'm eternally grateful that because your job allows my job to exist now. It's funny how the, the relationship kind of has turned because because you and I can talk about technical things and video files and audio files, I can do my job late at night at two o'clock in the morning. And and I don't have to have necessarily direct contact with you or Rob or Don or anybody. I can kind of live like this, this hermit, you know, like a, <laughs> like I'm a hold up in my like all the creepy things I've heard Rob joke about me are absolutely true. I'm a hold up in my office. I may or may not be in pajamas or clothes I've worn 2 days in a row jars of urine jars of urine <laughs> no because sometimes again but when I'm sitting down for 5 or 6 hours in a row editing something you know I get sort of lost and I, I do forget to do things like brush my teeth and oh, yeah. shave and shower so I'm <laughs> I am a gross blob of of just grossness like knocking this out and I I heard an audio file of like Rob joking about that. And like, he thinks he's joking and he's absolutely correct.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you getting all cleaned up and, and fancy for coming out and recording a podcast with me. Sure. This was very cool. Um Hopefully you learned a little bit more insight about producer Nick. If you have any questions regarding uh, this podcast, feel free to email us at RAD at dot Any, any closing thoughts?
1: Nope. Nope. Good AIDS.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks again, Nick. Until next time, namaste, bitches. The Rad.